from the ministries of the River New Wine Glory based in Livonia, Michigan comes this edition of the Streaming River Podcast with Pastor MJ Reed. Let's go in as the message is already in progress. So wonderful. You may go ahead and be seated. Hallelujah, Jesus. So beautiful. Oh, so beautiful, Lord. Oh, I mean, the Lord is beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, so beautiful. How many love the Lord? Anybody in love with Jesus? The more I know about him, the more I learn, the more I fall in love with him. You know, love for Jesus is the only thing that will keep you from sin. I've tried hellfire. People ain't really afraid of hell. They can't see it, so they ain't scared of it yet. But I find when you fall in love with Jesus, you want to serve him. If you really come to, if you really meet Jesus, you have no choice but to bow to him. If you really run into him, you have no, after you run out of all your options, you only have one option less, and that's to surrender and say, yes, master. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I found the Lord. Or did he find me? I'm so happy that I found the Lord. For the Lord is good. The Bible says, for the Lord is kind and gracious. You know what gracious means? Anybody know what gracious means? It just means you walk around real nice to everybody. That's not what gracious means. The word gracious means disposed to do favor. Look it up in the dictionary. Disposed to do favor. You know what disposed means? It's like we have the word disposition. You know, some people have an unfriendly disposition. Some people's bedside disposition is not nice. They're grumpy in the morning. Yeah. Some people's disposition is, you, you ever meet those folk that usually always say no, no matter what, they, you, you already know what they're going to say. But you, you just go ahead and ask them anyway just to try it out because it just might, lightning might strike this one time. But you usually know they're going to, I'm going to ask you, they're going to say no. Can someone say, after you know them for a while, they don't even say they just give you that look like, you already know my answer is no. They have a disposition to deny, to reject and say no. But the Bible says the Lord's disposition is to give favor. He's already in the mind and position to say yes to you. What does he lose by saying yes? What does he lose by doing it for you? Nothing. He doesn't, he's, a, he's not at a shortage of any power at the beginning of the problem or at the end. Hallelujah. He's just busting with power. Hallelujah. There's nothing impossible to him. Then he says there's nothing impossible to him that believeth. <clears throat> That's why you got to check your faith light. Amen. Half of your problems that you deal with is you're listening to the devil too much. You're listening to spiritual entities that want to talk you out of what God has for you. A lot of times God will hold out and hold out and hold out until you're ready to pass out. Then after you pass out and get revived again, he still ain't done it. Like, Lord, what I got to do? God is getting all that flesh in you and all that anxiousness out of you. Amen. And when you get to the point and say, Lord, even so. Even, Lord, whatever you want to do, and I'm resting in you. All faith comes then, faith and peace. Amen. The Bible says that the devil is the author of confusion. God does not bring confusion. Anybody bringing confusion is of the devil. Amen. Hallelujah. Rebellion, all of it is of the devil, every bit of it. It's of the devil. He was the first rebel. He started it. Amen. 
And so many of us spend our days and we listen to the devil. You don't even realize if you do the devils that stood around you and listened to you and talked to you and flap on your shoulder, you don't even feel them landing on your shoulder. They come and talk to you and say all kinds of stuff to you and talk you out. You know the thing about the devil is he talks in the first person. He talks like he's youth, your thoughts. He don't say, why don't you do this? He said, we should do, I'm going to do this is what he say. He talks in the first person. <laughs> he's always got scriptures he quotes. He knows that Bible now. He loves to give you verses of scripture that he knows you don't understand and twist it for you. When he came to Jesus, he came with a pack full of verses, didn't he, on the mountaintop. The devil's going to try you to see your knowledge of God's word. Thank you, Brother Jamarlin. Amen. Everybody, I'm good. I'm good. We're not going to sing no more. Thank you. Amen. And we'll, we'll get cracking on this. The devil comes with loaded with scriptures to challenge you what you think. The devil is a great theologian, a phenomenal theologian. He knows all the answers to the questions that theologians are still struggling with. He was there. He saw it all. And he's not fooled by mankind. He knows that we are vain creatures and he can appeal to our vanity. Anything that we think is going to make us better and make us greater and make us more, he can appeal to that. And it always works because we always seem to be in want. That's why the Bible talks about being content. Godliness and contentment is great gain. When you realize that you may not ever get justice in this world, when you realize that you may never get the people that you love to love you back the way you want to be loved, when you realize that anything that has to do with humans is probably going to fail, that's a terrible thing to come to. But when you realize who Jesus is, you realize that he becomes your compensation for all those things. Yes, but I got the Lord on my side. Amen. You can cry to the victim. You can talk about who's holding you back and who's done you wrong all you want to and nothing changes. But I tell you, nothing can stop the man or the woman who bows to Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost and stands on the word. Nothing can stop it. It don't matter if this whole government and everybody else is against you. The Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away before one of his words comes to naught. Amen. If you bow to Jesus, you don't have to bow to nothing else. Hallelujah. I said, if you will bow to Jesus, you won't have to bow to any other devil or any other scheme of the enemy. Hallelujah. But there is a name, a reputation. And when it says a name, it's talking about, it ain't just talking about J-E-S-U-S or Yeshua or whatever you want to say. It's not talking about that. When you talk about the name, it's talking about his reputation. There is a reputation that's above all other reputations. Woo! Hallelujah. For God so loved the world that he sent a person. I can't get no help in here today. I like that. And that person is Jesus Christ. This is all. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. He is perfect. Apart from the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic and context and all the other stuff, Jesus is perfect theology. We only study any of these things in the Bible so that we might know him better. If you read throughout the epistles, there's a reoccurring idea that you might grow in the knowledge of him. What is it about him that your knowledge in him must grow? You know the cross, you know the story, you know Calvary, you know he died, you know he rose. What else do you need to know? There are depths in Jesus. You can be a surface feeder, a surface believer, and you just want to get blessings and go and do what you want to do. Or you can plunge the depths of his love, plunge the depths of his power. You can plunge the depths of his person. You cannot go too deep in him because he's endless. Hallelujah. What if I told you that there's more inside of him than the whole universe outside of him? He's deeper and greater. Hallelujah. Our God, who is likened unto our God? 
There is no wrestling match with the devil. The devil ain't wrestling with that Satan and there's a battle and we don't know who's going to win. No, no, no. That's not how it works. He is Lord. The Bible said he spoiled principalities. He raped them of all their power. The Bible says he triumphed over them. He put his foot on the neck of the devil in front of all the spiritual realm and let everybody know he's been defeated and been destroyed. Hallelujah. He spoiled them. That don't mean he took them out and bought them candy. That means he robbed them of all of their authority and power. I can't get no help in here. Most folks that know Jesus be standing up and shouting and going crazy. He robbed them of all their authority. Then he turned over to the church who the devil thinks is weaker than him and says, behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall in no what no, no witchcraft no curses no hoodoo no voodoo nothing shall in no wise harm. as a matter of fact if you even take in something deadly it shall not harm you they you shall cast out devils on my reputation you're gonna cast them out hallelujah and if you ask anything in my name i'm gonna do it for you hallelujah we doubt these things because we don't read these things and we don't keep them in our... God told Joshua, he said, let not the book of instructions... He said, don't let it depart from before your eyes, but keep it before your eyes and keep it in your mouth. He said, if you keep it before your eyes and keep it in your mouth, he said, you shall do wisely in all the affairs of life and have good success. And I like the next verse. He says, and no man shall be able to stand before you all the day. He said, what do you mean? He says, no oppressor, no enemy. Nobody will be able to stand before you. God said it or he didn't say it. It's either true or it's not true. Hallelujah. He told Joshua, don't you be afraid. He said, nobody's going to be able to stand before you as long as me with me. I got this on lock. The world wants to paint the image of a devil that's so strong we can't do nothing with him. He's just out of control. I hate watching those movies in Hollywood. The devil just can't be stopped. He's floating and flying and folks are slinging holy water and swinging crosses. That's the problem. That stuff don't work. You don't need a holy water or a cross. There's a name. There's a name that when you say it, it echoes throughout the caverns of hell. It echoes throughout the universe. There's a name that's so powerful. I can't get no help. If Jesus, the shining one, if he walks in the room, devil starts bow. Lucifer starts bow. Everybody know around here that there's only one Lord. Hallelujah. People talk about Buddha and they talk about Muhammad and they talk about Krishna and they mention all these other names. But when you say the Lord, everybody know who you're talking about. Everybody know you're talking about Jesus. You ain't talking about Buddha. You ain't talking about Allah. You ain't talking about Muhammad. When you say the Lord, everybody in the room know you're talking about Jesus. Why is that? Because even in their own heart, they know what the truth is. Even if they don't want to admit it. I feel like I'm Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and say, there is a power that is so strong, it makes the rulers of this world to tremble. That makes there's a power so strong that George Soros and Klaus Schwab and the IMF and all the globalists makes them to tremble. There is a power. Hallelujah. I dare to give somebody a high five and say, there is a power. Hallelujah. There is a power. There is a hope. There is a hero. There's a victory. Hallelujah. There's a winner. Hallelujah. And he's on my side. And I'm on his side. Hallelujah. Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'll tell a room full of sinners about Jesus in a minute. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. You need him. He don't need you. I'll tell everybody about Jesus and what he's done for me. I'll testify. I was in darkness, but he brought me out. 
Hallelujah. I was on my way to hell, going to sink down and never rise again, but love lifted me when nothing else could help. Hallelujah. You have to keep these things mindful. You have to take a hold of these things and believe these things. You have to confess these things. You have to speak these things. Look at somebody say, speak these things. They will never become a part of you. Thank you, sir. Until you speak these things. The Bible says you must confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Do you know sometimes your heart ain't believing what your head is thinking? But you know if faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you know if you, if you speak the word of God, if you ain't got nobody to speak the word of God to you, start speaking it yourself. How many else can hear yourself talking? I know you hear yourself talking because you be in that car going to town talking. Ain't nobody listening. You know so-and-so be talking. Why don't you talk the word and let you hear? Because see, if you can talk the word, faith come back. How, you, come on. You talking the word and hearing the word, you can build your own faith by speaking the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Look at somebody say, speak the word. Start walking through your house and speaking. The word of God has power. Well, I'm trying to write a song, Pastor. Your song. What about I want to hear your song? Why don't you get the word? Put the word to music and sing the word of God. Sing the revelation from the word of God. That's what's got the anointing on it. The word is the yoke-breaking power. Hallelujah. I'm trying to write a song. I don't want to hear your song you was writing for somebody you used to like, and now you don't like them no more. You're going to change it and put Jesus in it. No, 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 no. Give me a song with the word of God in it. Take the scriptures and put it to music. Hallelujah. That's what breaks the yoke. That's what breaks trouble is the word. The Lord said, my word is like a hammer. <laughs> I got you all excited because what you, you already said you ain't going to like. You don't like this. Still talking about a son. Still talking about sonship. We enjoyed Meltari last week. Now, understand this. The Bible says that he gave gifts. He, that Jesus In Ephesians says that Jesus ascended on high and he gave gifts to men. He gave these gifts in the offices as the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and the pastor teacher. Now, we have taken and called it the fivefold, but that's erroneous. There's not a fivefold ministry. Because in the original Greek, there's not pastor, comma, teacher, it's pastor, hyphen, teacher. So it's really four the apostolic, the prophetic, the pastoral, and the evangelist. And the evangelist is all about souls. Whatever you're talking about, it always comes down to you need to be winning some souls. That's what's wrong with you. That's his drive, his souls and deliverance, getting people delivered, whether they save or unsaved. The evangelist comes in like a heavy-duty plow and plows through people and dynamite signs and wonders and breaks people free from the devil so they can see the gospel and get saved. The pastor is the discipling, shepherding, caregiver, feeding the flock of God. If you ask your pastor something, he thinks you need to be fed the word. You ain't being taught right. You ain't sitting down. That's what he's going to come. That's his conclusion because that's what he is. The prophet is the seer. The prophet is involved in saith the Lord. He, he thinks everything is about a vision and hearing God's voice and everything is about you hearing God and getting activated in what you call to do. Everything always ends up there because that's his thing. The apostolic gift is always thinking bigger and larger. He comes with a special message for the body of Christ. A dispensation of grace is given to him. He talks about areas and regions and farther reaching things than just having a church. He's talking about multiple. He's talking about spreading. If you talk to him, you ain't doing enough. You talk to the apostle, you ain't consecrated enough. You ain't seeking enough. You ain't stretching out enough. 
because the apostle wants to come in and push, drive forward. You see, you need to bring all these gifts into the church because they pull the body of Christ. The evangelist pulls them this way and the prophet pulls them that way. The apostle pulls and the pastor. And by the time they get through pulling, you in the center. And you got balance. See, the Bible wants us to have balance. Amen. Every once in a while, you need to be reminded to get up off your carcass and tell somebody about Jesus and get somebody saved. And that's the reason why your prayers ain't working and all the oil you rubbing and everything you're praying don't work because you ain't doing nothing for Jesus. You ain't busy. Amen. If you was working for Jesus, he'd be working with you. Half the stuff you're trying to get God to do, he'd just do it for you automatically. Just you keep on working. Amen. The prophet comes to remind you that you need to hear what God is saying and discern his will and know his voice and obey him. And the work of your wonders will happen. The release of the spirit will happen. You need to hear that because you need to be aware of the supernatural realm, the atmosphere, the activity of demons. He unveils what the devil is doing. To show you those activities, the apostolic gift comes in to forge you into a fighting soldier to teach you the revelations from heaven that fortify you and build you up and root you and ground you and stabilize you in the work of God. We need all of these gifts, so that's why I bring in all kinds of gifts. Amen. Because you need to hear it because a church that never receives of the fivefold ministry will never be a balanced or mature church because he gave these gifts for your maturing for your edification, that you come into the full knowledge of Christ. Nobody has it all. We are workers together. Amen. If all you ever do is listen to teachers, you're going to be boring. You're going to be philosophical and intellectual, and you'll know all your verses, but you might not have no power and can't break the power, can't do nothing. If you listen to prophets all the time, all you do is out in the tillywinks, way up in the sky somewhere, all the way in the glory realms in the cloud. You listen to apostles all the time, you'll be depressed because it's drive, 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 drive. Cut that Netflix off. You ought to be praying. <laughs> Amen. We need to be rooted and grounded and hear all these ministry giftings. Amen. You think that's all right? And just like that, Satan has copied and emulated God. He doesn't have any original thinking. So he sees what God has set in his church, and so he sets in his body. Principalities and powers, rulers and spiritual. It's only four. That's how I know it's only four in the New Testament. I was studying one time, and I said, Satan's kingdom is arrayed this way, but God's government is arrayed. Why has God got five and he got four? And the Holy Ghost said he don't. I began to study and look at it. It was like, oh, so it's four for four. Principalities versus apostles. Regional versus regional. Atmospheric powers versus atmospheric prophetic. Rulers of darkness in this world. That means stationary. That means pastors stationary and a shepherd with the flock. Spiritual wickedness, ones that follow you home and bind you, where God has a gift that breaks those things off you personally called the evangelist. Any evangelist that doesn't have signs and wonders following their ministry is not an evangelist. You're an, you're an exhorter. Ain't nothing wrong with being an I've seen some great things happen in anointed, anointed exhorters. But when you're really called to be an evangelist, miracles happen. Healings happen. Without you trying to make it happen and trying to conjure up something, it just happens because that grace is upon your life. Are you listening? And so Satan stands toe-to-toe -to -toe resisting the church and resisting you at every point, trying to checkmate you. He doesn't really want you to lead the church. He doesn't care if you leave the church or stay in the church. He doesn't care if you backslide or, or frontslide. As long as you stay neutralized. As long as you come to churches, be bound and sick and suffering right in church. As long as you're in church causing trouble and chaos and causing mess, he's just as happy to keep you here. Because in the end game, your life is only about 60, 70, 80, 90 years. He'll outlive you, and you'll be like a dream he had last night. He's not really that interested in you as much as you think he is. He's seen a million of you coming and going. 
He's not impressed with you. Unless you start doing something that's working against what he's doing. I have people that think the devil is attacking them all the time. I said, I said that's not the devil attacking. That's one, of the, that's one of the buck privates that's got you going. That's the devil. If you was to see him, he looked like a little rat or a troll or it looked like a, a little monkey. That's the one that's got your whole life going upside down. You think it's a principality coming against you. No, it's just a little low-level devil playing on your unfinished business and emotional issues that you never solved and reconciled with Jesus. How could the devil talk Eve out of everything she had? Had the best man on earth. As a matter of fact, the only man. He was anatomically perfect. Had all the gold, had all the money. The animals did everything he told them to do. Had all this kind of authority. Went to meet with God every day. Some of y'all wish y'all had a husband that would meet with God every day. God would come and talk to him. Had it all, and the devil came and missed him. But wait, there's more. You got to resist your attitude. You got to resist the disposition of being unsatisfied. You have to resist that discontentment that wants to linger. That as soon as you get something, you want something else. Discontentment, Jesus said, godliness with contentment is great gain. Hallelujah. Why? Because when you're content with Jesus, there's nothing the devil can bargain with you with. Jesus said, the prince of this world comes. I'm speaking about the Holy Ghost right now. The prince of this world comes to me and finds nothing in me. The devil, do you understand the devil has to find something in you first? He has to find unresolved issues, unrequited grief, unfinished business, stuff that you haven't reconciled about your mama, your daddy, your sisters, your brothers, your first boyfriend, your first girlfriend, the molester, the rapist. Whatever has happened to you, if you have not reconciled that with Jesus and gotten peace over it, well, you realize that no matter what's happened to me, it's not the end of my story. Jesus has a greater story for me. Can you imagine how many people have been molested as a child? How many people have been raped as a woman? How many people have been thrown in insane asylum? Can you imagine how many people were suicidal when they met Jesus in Galilee? And everything changed when they met Jesus. Everything turned around. It didn't matter who did what to anybody. I found you. And you are the answer to everything. I'm here to do your will. I'm here to obey you. You made me, and you know my purpose, and I'm ready to fall in line. And you forgave me and washed it away from me. Now I can be good, Daddy. Hallelujah. Now I can serve you. Hallelujah. You're not letting the devil hold those things against me, those feelings of shame, those feelings of being hurt and being embarrassed. I know the devil wants you to think that God didn't care and that God let it happen to you, that God was nowhere around, but that's the lie of the enemy. God put you in the trust and care of your parents and your family and somebody else failed, not God. God was there. But you know what? When God saw them do it to you, when God saw it happen to you, God also had a plan opened up that was going to circumvent the plan of the enemy. God has an option B. You can stay here and soak and be hurt and be wounded and let the devil poison you and destroy you. Or you can open up and walk through the door that I have set before you that no man can shut. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, your victimhood becomes a testimony. Look where he brought me from. Look where the devil tried to destroy me. Cast down but not destroyed. Even though everything about me has been shaken but yet I stand unmovable, clothed in my right mind. Can you remember the man that had the legion of devils? He said I had 5,000 devils driving me to the tombs. I was cutting myself. I was out of my mind. But oh, when I found Jesus clothed in his right mind. 
Woo! Look at somebody say, he can clothe you with a right mind. Hallelujah. He can get that squirrely, crazy stuff out there. He can clothe you in your right mind. There's a level of deliverance that you can walk in and you can be so free from things in the past that it's almost like it never even happened to you. You actually have more sanity and more grip on reality than people who were grazed on a farm around perfect family perfection. God can restore you. But you got to let him. You got to believe his word. You can't go back to the past. Sometimes you can't reconcile everything with people. There's some people that have done you wrong that are dead now. You can't get an apology from them. What are you going to do? You're going to have to take Jesus as your compensation. The Bible says in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 27, I'm almost done, but I might as well give you this verse. But I say unto you which I hear, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you. This is Jesus talking. This is not a suggestion. This is not something he's saying, why don't you try this? He's saying, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you, bless them that curse you. Oh, I don't like this verse. Pray for them which despitefully use you. You got used, you got played, now you got to pray for them. What? I hope you trip down the steps and break your neck and fall through your stomach. Pray for you after what you've done, you devil, you. What's that thing they do in, the, in color purple? She did a hand up to him, some kind of mojo move. What she do? She, that that meant I'm going to put the fix on you. They're going to go see the conjuring doctor and get something put on you. That's what they want to do. I don't, see, y'all better watch that. He down in Mississippi, he know all that stuff. I'm, I remember, I, I, boy, I tell you, I want to curse them that curse you. But Jesus says, but I say to you which hear. Now he's saying, I'm saying to you that can hear this. Anybody that can listen to this and hear it, love your enemy. Look at somebody say, love your enemy. Do good to them that hate you. Boy, your mouth was starting, you was choking all, your throat was getting dry. Why are you saying? Because you know some enemies right now, you would just poke them right in the eye. They, right, you, just, you know, if they was getting ready to slip and fall, you'd be like, oh, 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 up, up, up. You fell, you fall, you fail. Well, it's about time. All the mess you've been doing. Turn to somebody and say, bless them. Turn to somebody and say, bless them. That curse you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. As you would that men should do to you, do also to them likewise. Whatever way you, I didn't tell you to repeat that. Y'all ain't saying, y'all like, whatever you tell to do, whatever you want people to do for you, you do for them. Now that might be a problem if you got real low self-esteem and used to being a whipping post. Used to everybody beating up on me and you think you deserve it because I've been bad and I deserve it. I don't deserve a good man because I'm not a good woman. I'm bad. <laughs> so I keep finding men that keep treating me the way I feel about myself, and that's why I'm always with somebody who's stupid. Do you know that people, people just can't treat you any kind of way? You have to allow them to do that. You can always walk out the door. I mean, if you just got that much of a problem, come over to my house. I'll chain you up in the basement so you can't go see him no more. I'll stop. I'll help you. I'll put doors in between. I will help you stop that. I just can't stop seeing her. I can help you with that. Till that full moon passes, we'll hold you down. You can howl. Ooh, you howl all you want. I said, don't pay no attention to them. They're going through detox right now. They're detoxing. 
What are you doing, heroin? What are you doing? No, it's Tyrone. The die detoxing June bug out their system. <laughs> I'm just teasing, but it's, it's kind of real, though. You have to detox people. Did you know that? You have to detox relationships. Sometimes people got their hooks so far on you, you don't even realize they got them in you. They done done you wrong for the fifth time. You still feel a little guilty about saying no. You're in charge of who uses you. But he says those that despitefully use you. Dis they, wait a minute. Despitefully. They know they're using you. They have no intention of being a blessing to you. And you know that they're despitefully using you. And so you're supposed to pray for them anyway. Huh? Why is Jesus telling you to do all this stuff that the Old Testament said, eye for an eye, skin for skin, tooth for tooth. You take my tooth, I'm taking yours. You poke out my eye, I'm poking out yours. That was the Old Testament. That was under the law. That was a way of teaching people. If somebody bothers you, you bother them back, and, and people will learn to stop bothering people. That's what I'm supposed to do. They'll learn to stop. You'll learn to keep your hands to yourself. When you start getting popped in your nose, you'll stop. But Jesus says, I come with a new law. You've heard eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. He said, but now I'm telling you something new. See, the God put up with you in your flesh and the law, but now he's asking you to be more like him because he blesses those that curse him. He does good to those who despitefully use him. He's not asking you to do anything that he's not doing. He says, if you really want to be like me and walk in my full blessing, you got to start acting like me. Now, here's the other side about it. It ain't all just about being like Jesus. It's, it's like this too. See, when you do those things, you free yourself from other people. You free, the, you free yourself from their power and their control over you because you refuse to be drawn in. You refuse to react to their actions. You start acting instead of reacting. You start acting on the word of God, what God says you ought to do. Instead of being drawn into conflict. And now, God's, you know, when, when, when they got drug dealers fighting each, each other, Criminals are having a shootout. You ever see it on TV? Maybe you've seen it in real life, depending on where you live in Detroit. You may have seen it in real life. When criminals are fighting criminals, the police ain't going in there. Let them fight it out. You get the body bags ready. That's how they think. Y'all are criminals and killers. Fight each other. We're not going in and trying to stop nobody. Let them let the fight and stop. And after a few people didn't die, the fight and stop, then the police coming in, mop it up. But if there's some innocent children or women or somebody innocent, the police go in. You see, when you act just like the people that are evil, you're just as bad as them. And God will let two criminals fight it out. God will let you go ahead. You got it? Well, go ahead. Get it. You got it. Go ahead. I know what's going to happen, though. But go ahead. I can't tell you nothing. You go ahead and fix it. You got, you got them good. Get them. Go get them. Mm -hmm, child. Get them. And then you get them, and it ain't really satisfying that you got them. Because the pain and damage has been done, and ain't nothing going to replace that. See, the devil wants to draw you into conflict with people so that you're just as guilty as the person and God won't judge for you on your behalf. See, but when you refuse to allow them to pull you in, you blessed them, they cursed you, you loved them, they hated you, you did good to them, they did you wrong. Now you're on the outside and God is saying, you done done this to my baby and he ain't done nothing to you. You put a scratch on my baby arm. She ain't done nothing to you. Now God has to step in and bring justice. Now God has to judge. But when you're just as bad as them, they cussing you out, you cussing them out. They fighting, you fighting. You go, you doing things. You just like them. 
So God, if he steps in, he's going to judge both of y'all. So he's just going to step back and let the chips fall with him. God, why did you do that? Because you had it. You was doing it. I know this is difficult to hear. Then he says, for it, verse number 32, for if you love them which love you, what thanks have you? For sinners also love everybody that loves them. You ain't no different from a sinner if you just like and love people that love you. But if you do good to them which do good to you, what thanks do you have? For sinners also do the same. You bless those that bless you. That's, that's even Stephen. Everybody does. Usually sinners do that. People that don't know God, don't have a relationship with God, they do that. He says, but love your enemies and do good and lend. Here's the part I don't like. And lend, hoping for nothing. What? Wait, did I read that right? Hoping for nothing again? Jesus, do you know we live in a country where people always borrow stuff from you? And your reward shall be great. And your reward shall be great. And your reward shall be great. So you got to read the good part more than you read the bad. And your reward shall be great. And ye shall be, listen, and ye shall be called sons of the most high for he is kind unto unthankful and to the evil. We're talking about sonship. We talked about, we went through Jesus' sonship, his stages of sonship. We went through to go back and get the CDs or tapes or whatever or download them. We talked about the signs of sonship being, they are, many are sons of God, they are led by the Spirit. We covered being led by the Spirit of God. We talked about the sons of God in very aspects which makes you a son, being led, right, understanding righteousness, knowing who you are in him. But the, one of the greatest things about sonship is the walk of love. The love walk is not for sissies. You got to be spiritually tough to walk in love. You got to be tough spiritually to just not take it and just not take it to heart and let them go on. You know they're silly, you know they're foolish, you know they're petty, but just not to take it to heart and just go on and bless them anyway. But see, you got to be emotionally involved. See, love is not an emotion. Love is benevolent action. Being a blessing to somebody else. It's just you can actually show love to somebody and have no personal emotions about it. I ain't got to be in love with you if you're hungry and give you something to eat. Let me, well, let me sit down and talk to you for a while. Let me see if we got anything in common if I love you or not. Okay, yeah, you can have, you can have some food. No, you don't have to do that. Love, the Bible says God is love, but love is not God. People want to make love God, but God, love is not God. God is the highest expression of what love. Love is not an emotion. God is not an emotion. But God is love. So God is a God of action. Loving is action. The only way you know somebody loves you is what actions they do to you. You can say you love me all day, but I'm watching what you do to me. I'm watching how you talk to me and how you treat me, which says the opposite of love. Love is only known by action. Well, I love them in my heart. Well, why don't you get that heart in your hands and put it out here so I can see that you love me. Because love is only known, I love you, mama, but you don't do nothing I ask you to do. You're disobedient. You don't do what I tell you to do. You don't love me. You like me. You like what I do for you like Toyota. You like what I do for you, but you don't really love me because love has to do with honor. Love has to do with what you honor and what you dishonor. See, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is to hate what God hates and to love what he loves. That means you all are on the same page. You agree. How can two walk together? Am I preaching better than y'all? How can two walk together except they agree? There has to be some agreement. I know right now there's some people in this church, you're not submitted to this ministry and to this mantle. You're in agreement with it until you're not in agreement with it. You're not submitted to where I can say you're doing wrong, you need to change. Well, I don't listen to you. You don't tell me what to do. You ain't, you ain't submitted. You're just in agreement. That's a big difference. We got submitted people, submitted to God, submitted to the government. We got some people who just agreeing and hanging around until they find reasons they don't agree no more, and then they're gone. 
They ain't been a part of 75 churches before they die. I'm exaggerating. But love your enemies. This should be called the sons of the most high God. So we see that love, walking in true biblical love, divine love, is not emotional love. It is doing benevolently on the behalf of other people whether you feel like it or not. Wives do all kinds of stuff they don't feel like when they love a man. I don't feel like them, but I love you. I do it. They get up and cook breakfast. And you got on their nerves last night. They can't even look at you because you made them so sick. Get about to bed, don't even look back at you. Just keep walking. They won't look at you because you just made them sick last night. They, they got a battle going on inside. They get up and cook breakfast for you anyway. They can take your clothes to the cleaners for you anyway. Because love makes you do stuff that you don't feel like doing. Love compels emotion. It rules. It masters them. Because your emotions are crazy. One minute you love them, one minute you hate them. You don't know. But love is stationary. Love is fixated. Love is supernatural. Now, you can have human love. Human love wears out. That's what all the singers sing about. They always sing about falling in love and being in love. Because that's all the world has. Because when they die, they're going to hell. They don't have nothing else. It's just the love of man, love of a woman. And see, that's idolatry because you can love somebody so much, but you don't love God the way you love her or the way you love him. That's idolatry. It's Jesus first, then your husband, your wife, and then your children. Come on, somebody. Did you know you ain't supposed to put your children in front of your husband or your wife? Did you know that? Well, my children, you ain't supposed to put them in front of your husband or your wife. That's not right. It's Jesus first. Then it's your mate. Then it's your children. When y'all get it together, both of y'all can take care of the kids and make sure they're all right. Oh, I know I'm telling the truth. It's the Bible is right. Natural human love grows cold, and the more, th the more indifference and the things that are done, is, it takes an account of all the stuff. It's keeping score. They did this, they did that, they did this, they did that. After a while, it's a whole big long laundry list of all the stuff, and I'm done with you now. You hit the, you hit the peak. This is the last straw. Human love wears out, but not the divine love. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 2, walk in love just as Christ has loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice unto God, a fragrant aroma. He says you ought to walk in love even as Jesus. Well, you know, we ain't Jesus, but he told you you can't walk in love with people. Let me get back to this last part. Verse number 36 in Luke 6 and 36. Be ye therefore merciful as your father is merciful. Be merciful. You know, there's some people probably in this church that you don't ever want to be at their mercy because they're going to sock it to you. They ain't letting you get away with nothing. You can't even get an extra roll in the bread line. You can't get nothing. No mercy, no mercy, no, no mercy whatsoever. But he says, judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. But you know what I like? Verse number 39. Give and it shall be given to you. What? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men, y'all know that by heart, shall men give unto your bosom, right, right there in your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured back to you again. Now, preachers have taken that verse and preached all stuff about giving and sowing, and you ought to give your money and pay your tithes, and rightly so. That's not wrong because you will reap what you sow. But they do not preach the context of this chapter. The context of this chapter is walking in love. For God so loved the world that he 
gain. See, when you love, you give. Give is the only way you know somebody loves you. Give is the highest expression of love. What is something given to you? When somebody loves you, they supply to you. They'll even take from them and do it less so that you can have some. Are you hearing me? Ladies, you know he's not the one if he eats the last chicken wing and won't let you. <laughs> he's the last chicken tender and know you was looking at it. Amen. You better watch her if she's always on your plate, brother, trying to eat your food. And hers, too. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. You can't do both of them. You got to have it or keep it. Eat it or, or give it one or the other. <laughs> All right, I'm going to quit messing with you. <laughs> Be therefore merciful. You know, now they've taken that verse and they leave out all the love stuff. See, I'm going to tell you something. You can be tithing and giving, but you don't walk in love. See, 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 heaven recognizes you as a son. Then shall you be called the sons of the Most High. When you do what? Bless them that curse you, love them to hate you, do good to them that despitefully use you. Some people are so ungrateful to their mates. If you got one that works and provides and you don't have any gratitude for what she does for you or what he does for you, do you know that God can't call you his son? See, we don't think about how these things affect how God perceives you. I'm going to tell you that God can actually hold something against you. Don't believe it? Look over in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation 2 and 4, nevertheless, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had first because you have left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence you are fallen and have a radical mind shift, repent, and, be the, and do your first works over because I come quickly. Or I will remove your candlestick out of the candlestick holder except you repent. Do you know it's terrible if God's got something, if God's holding something against you? You praying and asking God, but he's holding something against you. And you won't know until you ask him, Lord, what are you, you got anything against me? Are you holding, am I doing something that you hold? I'm praying, I'm fasting, this ain't nothing breaking loose. Why don't you go ask the Lord? Is there something you're holding against me? Oh, yeah. See, you can't hold a grudge. It don't say nothing about God can't hold one. You're not allowed to because you ain't nothing. Who are you to hold a grudge against somebody? God is the boss. He's the only one who has the right to have a problem with anybody because he puts up with everybody and still has mercy. God can actually have something against In one translation, it says, I have somewhat against you, is what he told them. We don't like this kind of preaching. Love is the thing that sets us apart for God to call his children. Romans 5 and 5. And hope maketh, I'm almost done, don't pass out. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Human love will never, never bridge the gap. Human, natural, emotional love, what we call love, will never work. But the Holy Ghost empowered love. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. See, it's not natural to just want one woman for the rest of your life. It's supernatural. I can't get no help in here. It's not just natural to just, no, no, it takes the supernatural love of God. Now, there's some sinners that are able to do it because probably they ain't got no better options. But it's the love of God in you that makes you be accountable, brother. Women look for all kind of stuff in the men. They don't know the first thing about looking for men. We need to go back to picking wives, picking husbands for women and keeping them covered in sheets until you come out. Men don't know what they're getting. They just have, you won the prize. And they come out and first wedding night, lift the veil and like, oh, this is what, you ain't never seen no other woman, so this must be it. 
Baby, you're my kind of woman. Because we let them pick and they can't pick nothing. They go for all this other stuff that don't add up to nothing. Do you know the most important quality to look for in a man? Do you know? You want me to tell you what it is? He's a man that pray. I know a lot of folks that pray, they're still stupid. He loved the Lord. I know a lot of men that love the Lord and they're still foolish. I love the Lord. It's as goofy as it can be. The most important thing you can look in a man is accountability. Is he accountable? Will he give an account of his time? Will he give an account of where he's been? Will he give an account of where he spent the money? Will he answer for what his behavior is? Is there anybody that can correct him when he's wrong? Let nobody tell me, I'm a man. Your, your daddy can't tell you nothing. Your mama can't tell you nothing. The, I know somebody that's going to tell you something you're going to do. It's called the judge. You're going to do what he tells you to do. See, when you can't be told nothing to do by anybody else, you eventually fall into the place before the judge, and you're going to do what he say do. The most important quality in a man is, is he accountable to God? Is he accountable to God's word? Is, will he be accountable to his people he, he esteems higher than himself? You shouldn't be with any man that don't esteem nobody higher. Hey, if it's a man like me, I put my pants on, I don't listen to nobody. That's a, you think it's cute because he's all machoed out and tattoos all down his body, but that don't mean nothing. If he's not accountable to his mama, his father, his boss, his pastor, if he's not accountable, willing to give an account, he'll never give an account to you. Never. He'll never tell you where he's been. He'll never tell you what he's doing. He'll never give an account. Faithful, godly men are accountable accountable man and if you don't learn how to ask the questions to find out whether he's accountable you're gonna keep on marrying clowns somebody's little boy that grew up and still a little boy a man child I ain't just working on a man because I'm coming for you in a minute sisters hallelujah you got a man that'll tell you where he been that's accountable with the money coming in the house you better hold on to that man <laughs> Boy, I tell you something. These Kushites ain't trying to do right by you out here. They're they not trying to do right by you. Can he be corrected? Is there anybody that he'll listen to that can pull himself? He may not listen to you because he think you his wife and got adversarial stuff. But can his mother talk to him? Can his father sit down? And say, son, that's wrong. I didn't teach you that way. I see a big problem is we got a lot of folks ain't really have no daddy in the way. He wasn't no count. He wasn't nowhere around. He was a rolling stone, and all he did was left us alone. He didn't do nothing with us. You got some fathers living in the house, and they're there. They're just there, though. Just emotionally unavailable. Daddy, huh? Yeah, whatever. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Don't have them if you're going to spend time with them. Don't have them if you're going to lay your life down for them. Don't have them and then shove them off to a nanny and shove them off to somebody else. You need to be with your kids. Your kids need to see you teaching them how to pray. You need to be teaching them at night when you lay next to them saying, this is how we pray. The Lord is up. See, you need to be teaching them their first verses in Scripture. You need to be teaching them how to bless the food of the table when they one, when they two, when they three. You the one need to be reading the word. They need to see you in church with your hands lifted up. They need to see you down at the altar. They need to see mom and daddy go to God for their problems. They need to see mom and daddy praying together. That's how your kids learn how to be in church and be saved. I raised him in church. He was in the youth group. I don't know what happened to him. Because the youth group had him once a week. You had him for 50, 365 days of the year. That's what happened to him. Oh, I told you you wasn't going to like this message. I knew it. But I got to tell it to you. The love of God. Look at somebody say, the Holy Ghost has given me supernatural love. It's the love of Christ. And it's shed abroad in my heart. So therefore, I can love the unlovable. 
Walking in love is not is about walking in love with unlovable people. The cross of the Christian is not sickness, not disease, not trouble and death. The cross of the Christian is to walk in love with people who are difficult and unlovable. There are some people who there's nothing lovable about them. That is your ministry now to learn how to walk in love with that person. You ain't got to get a mortgage with them and move in with them. And you ain't got to join their house and live in their basement. You ain't got to get, get a car with them. You ain't got to get alone with them. Just walk in love when you're dealing with them. Are you listening? You like this message yet? Not really. Preachers have taken that verse about press down, shaking together, running over, and it's all about money. But you got to read the first those preceding verses. You got to understand he's talking about a walk of love, of giving and receiving love, walking in love, exemplifying Christ-like behavior. Then shall you be called the sons of the Most High. Then shall men give unto your bosom, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Are you listening? See, love is one defining character. See, you can have, I know folks that's very gifted. The gifts of the Spirit anointed, but they're, not, they're very poor in their love walk. I know people who are very, very talented, and they don't know how to walk in love with people. You see, the devil can imitate any gift. He can imitate any gift of the Spirit, any of them. He can produce false lying signs and wonders and miracles. The devil can do, give you visions and dreams. He can do all that kind of stuff. There's one thing the devil can't do. Walk in love, can't do it. By this men shall know that you're an apostle now. And your Facebook broadcast has 30 people now this week listening. And you're an apostle, you're a prophet now because you're in the prophetic network. The Elijah network has called you to do an excerpt weekly because you're the prophet. No, by this men shall know that you are my disciple. You are my imitator. What a disciple is an imitator. You are my imitators, that you have love for one for another. You know, a supernatural church is hard to have. Very difficult. People don't understand this. Why? Because when you start going for the gold, and the gold is the manifestation of God's power and presence. That's what we go for. We want the working of wonder. We want God to come in here so that when you come in, the cancer got to go. The tumor's got to fall off. We want to see. Listen, either he's doing it or he ain't doing it. If he's doing it, then I want him to do it here. I don't, you, you know, you don't need a whole bunch of sermons that the power of God can move in here. Curses broken. Demons routed. Stuff that's been haunting you. You know, the power of God can come on you and for five minutes, two minutes, and it will do what 30 years of counseling can't do. He just reach in there and bind up the broken heart. <laughs> he has an anointing. He just reach in there and lift a burden off you. Like, what's wrong with you? It just don't bother me no more. But girl, but you remember what was done to you. It just don't bother me no more. I don't know what happened to me. The glory overshadowed me. He hovered across the face of the deep. Something changed. I don't know, but that night. See, that's what happens when the glory comes. That's what we're supposed to be contending for. Everything else we're doing is just, you know, par for the course. But we're contending for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. The reality of God's power working in his people. But I'm here to tell you, it's so difficult to do it because people come in here all week from being trialed and tested and troubles and issues, unfinished business from their past, all kind of stuff that they want and they're hoping for and they're unhappy about. And the devil comes in and starts playing on all that stuff. I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be the hardest thing you, this is going to be the hardest church you're going to ever be a part of trying to be a membership of. I can tell you that right now. You're going to have a thousand reasons why you should stop coming here. But you go down to some church where power God ain't moving, ain't nobody preaching the truth, ain't no anointing, ain't nothing, and you'll be sitting there saying, this feels good, Something, nobody's bothering me. But you come here, it's going to be the devil's going to bother you. The enemy's not, you are going to lead this church. Ain't hey, that something wrong. If somebody look at you funny, I said, I'm out the door. 
I'm, I'm done. This church looking at me crazy, rolling eyes. I ain't got to put up with it, I tell you. But you put up with dead religion. You put up with foolishness and nonsense, no truth, no breakthrough, no anointing, no power, no revelation. Put up with, put up with all kind of foolishness as long as they made you an usher with a badge. As long as you teach Sunday school once every five years, you preach once a Friday night on Friday night, jack leg preacher night. As long as you get one night, one Sunday night, remember they said just put you up. Sunday night, who up tonight? You up tonight. Be also ready. That's how it was in the old church. You didn't know when you was going to preach. Just call on you and throw you in there. Well, I got to get, I got to prepare. You ain't prepared and you ain't called. You ain't right. Well, they, they knew how to boost your ego, didn't they? They knew how to break you down. Well, you ain't got nothing because you ain't, ain't nothing in you. Cause, see, <laughs> and then you go back to your seat saying, I must not have nothing in me. <laughs> it's going to be the hardest church. Any supernatural church is going to be a difficult church to be a part of. Because the devil's going to throw up every reason why you shouldn't come and don't be there and don't be a part of it. Because, see, when a true apostolic, prophetic, and pastoral gift is preaching to you, it feels like you're going through a chiropractic work. Like the back is being adjusted and your thinking is being challenged and stuff that you thought you got to let go and release that. Whoa, I, wait a minute, I'm wrong doing that? Yeah, you're wrong. God says repent of that. God says change. See, you're getting a back adjustment. Uh, the neck is getting cracked. It's pop. Your spine is being elongated. It's like you can feel the hand of the Lord on you, shaping you because, after all, you are but clay in the hand of the potter. What do you think a potter's wheel ought to feel like? You ought to feel the pressure and the movement of God altering you to be more like him. I don't want no church that makes me feel good about being the way I am. I'm a mess. I need to get better. The cross of the Christian. I'm going to read this to you and I'm going to let you go. 1 Corinthians 3, 13 and 4. Here You knew it was coming, didn't you? I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. Love endures with patience. And serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful, not thoughtless. It's not jealous and envious. You got some people that you can't even tell them how God has blessed you because it's going to alter the way they treat you. People that don't seem to be blessed and never have blessings, when they see you get blessed, they can't help. Instead of excited about you getting blessed and thank you, Jesus, and that should encourage them that God will bless them too because if he's blessing you, he'll bless me. Instead of that, it's I'm reminded of all that I don't have and how nothing is going for me and it's going for you. And here comes jealousy. That's not love. It's not envious. Love does not brag and is not proud and arrogant. When you're proud, you can't be corrected. When you're proud, can't nobody tell you nothing. It is not rude. You ever been around rude people? That's not love. It's not self-seeking. It's not putting itself in front of everybody. My needs ahead of yours. This is me. I got to do I gotta about me and mine. There's a point where you have to look out for yourself. But love is not seeking its own self-exaltation. Listen. It is not provoked nor overly sensitive and easily angered. Oh, that's a tough one because we got these hurting. We got these folks that's so touchy and hurt. They're triggered. They need safe rooms and so hurt about everything. And you just walk around on eggshells because, oh, I don't want to say the wrong. You have been around people like that? You don't know nobody like that. Everything you say offends them. I think I like red. Why do you like red? What's wrong with black? What? Yeah. Girl, I love that new hairstyle. You never complimented my hair before. So that means all my other times, you just really didn't like my hair, and you didn't say nothing, but see, you want me to tell time. Low self-esteem. That's not love. When you walk in the love of God, love makes you indestructible. 
Love is not weak. Love is powerful. Hallelujah. Love makes you be able to give away compliments and love on everybody, and it don't feel like it's making you less to do anything. See, you only do that because you don't feel complete. Love ain't completed you left because perfect love casts out fear. I can't leave my husband in a room with them women. See, these women at this church, ain't none of them done nothing to your man. I can see they put a hood on his head and threw him in the back of a, uh, a rape van and drove him down the street. That would be one thing. But just walking past speaking to him ain't doing nothing to your husband. You got to worry about your husband in the room, women in the church. Let me tell you something. The problem is with you and your husband because you probably know you ain't doing enough at home. And you can't leave him alone because that, that animal's like a savage. He's about to go nuts. He's just going crazy. You can't leave him alone because he just might break out. And go on a killing spree. Go on a, <laughs> might just break out and go, wow, I got to keep him away from all of them. Why? A full stomach can't be tempted with more food. I said a full stomach can't be tempted to eat nothing else. Go ahead, keep sending them out hungry. Keep sending them out wondering. Keep sending them out. Somebody will walk in and say, what you got? What you got? I need some. I got what you need. To be glad to take your working man from you. Glad to have a man to come home every day. They're glad to have him. Same thing with your brothers. Can't turn your wife loose. Got to almost walk into the bathroom and put on the toilet. Just, I got to be with you. Wait a minute. You got a problem. That ain't love. Love don't hold nobody captive. Love don't control somebody. I've seen men actually when, when other people around and they have their woman's hand and they start squeezing her hand to make her not say stuff and do stuff. And they didn't hallelujah and thank you Jesus at the same breath. God didn't call you to abuse your wife like that. Control your wife like that. You ever seen men like that? They, they walk around and their wife is their pet. You don't know. Say, Wait, don't touch her. Don't wait, wait. She's coming through. Brother, you need to stay home. This is a wild world out here. This is rough. You can't protect like that. That's not love. Love is not touchy. Love is not oversensitive. Love is not possessive either. Are you listening? You ain't gonna like this one. It does not take into account of wrong endured. You ain't walking around carrying a checklist of all the folks that have done me wrong all of my life. You ever meet them kind of people like that? You better watch them. They load it. Don't, don't, do, don't, get, don't get in a place where you need them for nothing because they get ready to, you're getting ready to stand trial for all the folks that have done them wrong. And the deck is stacked against you. Love lets it go. It's in the past. It does not rejoice at injustice but rejoices with truth when right and truth prevail. I've seen people actually root and get excited for somebody doing evil because we thought they was justified in doing evil. Well, they should, they, they should have let them do that because, no, 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 you don't rejoice in evil. Finally, love bears all things regardless of what comes, believes all things, looking for the best, looking for the best, looking for the best in each one. It's a terrible thing when you're always looking for the bite. You're always looking for the worst in everybody you meet. You always say, well, I can't be no fool. I got I people out here. I'm just being, no, 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 no. The Bible says we're harmless as we're wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. You can know that people are wrong. You can know that people have issues. But if you're walking in love, you can insulate yourself. It don't matter how you act because I know how I'm going to act. It don't matter what you do. I'm going to do what's right on my, I'm standing before God. My actions are before him. What you do is on you. And I'm not joining in with you. I'm not going back and forth with you. I'm not titting for tatting with you. That's you. Go have that stuff all by yourself. God bless you. 
So you remove yourself from the equation. As long as you, I'm going to tell you something, your spiritual maturity and walk with God is only as great as you want to allow other people to pull you in their junk. you always getting pulled into something all the time. What, 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 what kind of faith do you have? What kind of, no, no, you're not walking the way you want to. Huh? Hopes all things remaining steadfast during difficult times, endures all things without weakening. Love never fails, nor fades, nor ends. But as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, it just goes to prove that Paul believed in speaking in tongues. As for tongues, they will cease. As for the gift of special knowledge, that's going to pass away. What is he saying? See, you got some folks say, well, that stuff is always, see, the Bible said that stuff is passed away right there. It's passed. No, no. What he's saying is there's going to come a day when we don't need any of these things. One day when all the ages are consummated and, all, and Christ is all in all, his kingdom has come upon the earth, there won't be no need for you to have special knowledge and prophecies no more because what's, what's there to prophesy when everything has come to pass? So there's going to come a day when these things will cease, but that day is not now. But he says, love, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Nobody prophesies completely with total knowledge. We know in part, and we prophesy in part, for our knowledge is only fragmentary and incomplete. But when that which is perfect and complete comes, that which is incomplete and partial will pass away. Are you listening? Hallelujah. Romans 5 and 8, but God commanded his love toward us. Do you know you have to command your love toward people? Do you know you have, to, you have to command your love? You have to take control of your love light and command. You know what? Because if you don't, you'll only do what you feel like doing. You'll, you'll, you'll only do what is easy for you to do. You have to command your love. God commanded his love while we were still violating him. Christ died for us. Are you listening? Now, I'm going to tell you something else. Matthew 5, 24, this is why forgiveness is so important because you really can't have love and not have forgiveness. One of the major reasons why so many people are not healed is because they walk in some form of unforgiveness. They have some form of unforgiveness, something they hold against somebody, something they haven't let go, and you start praying for them, and I'm believing God, I don't know what's happening. It's time to go check, you do some, it's time to do some heart work. I call it homework, heart work. It's time to find out, are you offended with somebody? Have you forgiven somebody? Look what Jesus says. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar... And there, remember that your brother have ought against you. You remember he got a problem with you, not you got a problem with him. You remember he has a problem with you. Leave your gift there and go away and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. What he's saying is God says, I don't even want your gift if you can't forgive one another. I don't even want your offering if you can't do what's more important by forgiving your brother or your sister. Huh? Matthew 25, 40, meaning whatsoever you do to the least of my brethren, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Do you know that Jesus takes it personal how you treat your brothers and sisters in Christ? He takes it personally how you treat others, especially those who are in Christ. He told Paul when he struck him on the ground, he said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Who, I'm not persecuting you. Who are you? He said, you're putting your hands on my body, on my people, on my children. That's me. Jesus considers you him. And anybody that touches you is touching him. See, if you believe that, you get healed faster. You get a breakthrough faster. Oh, you're touching me. This is, you're touching, you're touching Jesus. I'm his body. You don't think it's a small thing just to roll your eyes and be hateful and nasty to people and be partial to people and just treat people and snicker around people. You think that's just okay, just how you are. God says, I take it personal. You're snickering at me. You're mistreating her. That's, that's mistreating me. Because he said, if I came to you in her face, you would treat her this way. Beware how some of you have entertained angels unaware 
the Lord will come to you and you'll be treating them like you treat the other people. Just dismiss them and disregard. God doesn't like that ugly stuff. Huh? You can't beat the odds. You, can't, you cannot be at odds with me and be all right with Jesus. You can't be at odds with folk in this church and you'll be all right with Jesus because they're Jesus like you, Jesus. Jesus loves Jesus. Jesus forgives. Jesus gives Jesus the break. Jesus lets Jesus get a pass. Well, you don't know what D did last time, and she said this, and she's so stupid. It ain't your job, though. See, with the measure that you meet, that's going to come back the same way on you. But, Lord, I didn't really mean it. Oh, no, 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 no. You measured it out to her. You, you pulled out the apocalypse on her for something. So the measure that you meet is going to be measured back to you. Oh. You know, I, I, I wonder if people, saints, even think about how they talk to one another. I wonder, do we listen to ourselves much less think about what God thinks about how we talk to other people? Because he's listening to it all. I wonder. I said, I hear some of the stuff that people do. And I said, do they, do they even think about what God thinks about what they do? But they save and hallelujah with the praise team and everything is good and gravy and confessing the word. But then, you know, I have no problem being nasty with somebody. How we roll, how, how we roll our eyes have something to say about the little things. How people just can't catch a break with you. They do something wrong or stupid, and they can't never live it down. Snickering and laughing and back-talking and back-channeling. Unwelcoming and uncaring. Talking down to them and talking about them. God says, I can't stand that. You can't have a supernatural practice. Can you not understand that it's love that binds the supernatural together? Faith worketh by love. The supernatural, see, you want to have a glory cloud coming here, but you got biting and consuming and jealousy and envy. Well, it's only one group of people. They need to get that right. The Bible said there was one person in the camp that kept bringing the curse until they got AI out of the camp. They kept losing the battle. Are you hearing me? The Bible says in Romans 12, 10, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. If the church acted like that openly, people wouldn't be able to, they, they couldn't stay away from church. Look at somebody say, be kindly, affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference one to another. That means if the blessing is there, I prefer you have it. Because I'm blessed when I see you get blessed. Because when I see God blessing you, it reminds me of God's faithfulness to bless me. He just told me, whatever I sow, I'm going to reap and he cannot lie. I'm happy to be a blessing to you. I'm happy to see you get a new car. I'm happy to see you get married, even though I've been waiting for 25,000 years to get married. I'm happy to see you come into your home and your house. I rejoice to see you get a new job. I'm glad you got a raise. I'm happy you got two houses. I'm, a I'm happy that God is elevating you to ministry. I'm happy that somebody is asking you to come preach. Because I know whatever I make happen for you, God will make happen for me. I rejoice with them that rejoice. I bless those that curse me. I'm not getting caught up in your mess. I'm not letting you drag me down. Honey, I got too much on the line. I got too much I'm trying to believe God for. I got big plans. I got big vision. I got stuff I want to do before I close my eyes. I got miracles I want to see before I die. I want miracles. I want our ministry to be fulfilled before the Lord takes me away. I'm not letting you or anybody stand in the way. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to do good to you. I'm not going to allow you to get me caught up in your trick bag. I'm not going to allow you 
hinder me. I've got, yo, am I the only one or do you have some stuff on the line? Do you have any skin in this game? Is there anything you need God to do that only God can do it? Is there some doors that only Jesus can open? Is there some stuff you need God to do? I got too much stuff I need the Lord to be on my side for. And while it may be a momentary gratification to dislike you and get you told and tell you off, but in the long run, it don't do nothing for where I'm trying to go. All things are lawful. Yes, you can tell them off, but not expedient for where you're trying to go. Are you listening? Hebrews 12 and 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. The Bible says that a root of bitterness can spring up in the church and it can actually poison the atmosphere of the church. Are you listening? A lot of people can't be, play something soft for me. A lot of people can't be blessed. Because Jesus is holding something against them because they won't walk in love. I hate as a pastor to have folks come to me and I see them broken weeping about how somebody talked ugly to them or mistreated them. Or how some people can be so petty and spiteful and think Jesus doesn't care about that. Because we can't be kind and can't be affectionate to each other. But we want miracles and signs and wonders and destiny and the plan of God. We want all this stuff from God. But the, see, you want to hear a message about how to step into the realms of glory and three steps into the prophecy and how to, you want, we, we would love all that fantastic teaching, but none of that will do you any good if you don't have these basic problems. This is the more important part. If you don't never get caught up out your body, if you don't never have a vision, if you don't never have a prophecy, if you don't never have a supernatural visitation of any kind, but if you can walk in love, bless them that curse you, do good to them and spitefully use you, pray for them that hate you, Jesus is telling you to rise above being a human. He wants you to be superhuman. He's asking, well, I'm just a human. It's time for you to stop just being human and be a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I just can't forgive him. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I can forgive people through Christ because he strengthens me. Well, it just seems impossible. Nothing shall be impossible to him that believeth. What do you believe? At some point, your faith has to take over your senses. Are you listening? devil can imitate every gift but he can't now listen I gotta finish this I can't finish this now but I'm gonna read the verse to you Hebrews 12 and 5 have you forgotten the exhortation which speak unto you as children my son despise not thou the chastening of the Lord nor faint when you are rebuked of him for whom the Lord loves he chastens are you listening and scourges every son he receives for if you endure chastening God deals with you as a son, for what a son is he who by the father does not chase him. I'm not going to read any further, but I'm going to tell you this. It's a terrible thing when you can't receive correction. When you don't realize you can't be corrected, it shows how proud and how arrogant you are, and you are disqualified from anything that heaven will give you. Because the Bible says God resists the proud. <laughs> do you know how much resistance I got on a regular basis that ain't got to do with God? Resistance from people, resistance from the devil, resistance from systems in the world. I don't need the Lord to be resisting me too on top of that. He's the only ace in the hole I got. The Bible says he chastens those he loves. Now, how does God chase? Well, he put this cancer on me because he's teaching me. No, God doesn't put sickness on your teaching, honey. All you're going to learn how to do is be in a bed and suffer. God doesn't lose calamity to teach you. What happens is when we're continuously disobedient and don't do what God tells us to do, 
You're on your own way. And so God says, you're going that way? You can't be stopped? Okay. Keep going. And you run right into something. Why did this happen to me? Why did God let me? Because you wasn't asking God. You wasn't seeking God. You wasn't in the word. You couldn't be told nothing. So God let you hit the wall. Because that's the only thing he gets you to come and say, Lord, please help me. Oh, I was waiting for you that five years ago, but you wouldn't come. Now you're coming because you got to come. Because ain't nobody can help you but me. And now you got to overcome all your guilty feelings to have faith to know that I love you enough to do it for you. You got a battle on your hands. Why don't you just stop now and say, Lord, I don't want to do nothing you don't want me to do. I'm willing to be broken. Tell me what I need to do. I'll forgive her. I'll forgive her even though she got one eye in her forehead and look like a cyclops. I will forgive her anyway. I don't care. I'll forgive him. I, don't, I will forgive him if all he got is a mouth and ain't got no eyes and no nose. I will forgive him. I'm not going to let that person be a big issue. Because see, what you do is you let people become idols to you. And they become these idols in your life that you actually feel certain ways and go through stuff based upon how they treat you and you react. That's an idol. How God going to have special forces like that? I was watching this one movie one time. They had a commando. He was bad. It was it Rambo? They dropped Rambo into the, in, no matter where they put him in, he got training. He got skills. Started drinking cactus water. Started eating lizards. He just got a, he just got a, he got a knife. He could survive. They put him in a jungle. Two weeks, he'd be taking out the whole camp. Wherever they drop him down, and he can work it because he's special forces. Now, you want to be one of them kind of Christians that God has to put you in a safe zone in the trigger spot because you're so sensitive and can't do nothing. Or do you want to be special forces? God can drop you down in any environment and just give you a week or two. You'll pray your way out. You'll accomplish your way out. You'll find your way from wherever you are because you're walking with God. It doesn't matter what they throw against you. It doesn't matter who's against you. If God be for you. Are you listening? Walking in love is the surest sign that you're a son of God. Look at somebody say, let it slide. Stop letting folks manipulate you with the stuff that they do. Sometime when I'm really, really aware, I, the world says, in my higher self, you need to get to your higher self. You know, in your higher self, you see things, right? We don't believe in higher self because higher self is, self means nothing. So that's like saying higher nothing. We don't believe in that. But when I have the mind of Christ, sometimes I'm more or less, but when I'm really active with the mind of Christ and somebody comes with me doing something stupid, it's almost like I'm outside my body having an outside of body, and I'm just looking at them like, did they just say that to me? Did they, just, they just did that to me. And they expected to get it. They did it because they want a reaction out of me. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done nothing. You think you can? Ah, I'm not going to react. I'm getting ready to act on the word. Well, God bless you. You mean God bless you? God bless you. You don't be, I'm trying to bless. No, I'm, I'm for real. Here's $25. I don't want your money. How can I bless you? All right. I tried to help you. Ain't on me. The Bible says, Paul said this very powerfully, and I'm closing. This is for real closing. He says, <laughs> Paul says, I do all, I'm going to paraphrase. He says, I do all I can to keep my conscience clear before God and before men. I'm doing everything I can so I'm free from other people. The greatest freedom you can have is be free from people. Be free from what they, what they think and how they judge. Just be free of them. You know what they said about you? you know, I have some of my sweet saints come and tell me, you know what they said about you? They said this. I look at them and I say, I know. Aren't they silly? Bless them silly people. They're silly. If they knew better. Jesus said if they had a knew what they was doing, they wouldn't do it. I look at people and say, if they knew better, if they didn't know that all they're doing is opening the door for curses on their life, they wouldn't be doing this. 
if they didn't know that by them doing that, that they were opening the door for the devil, see, now I have legal right to touch you now because you're putting your mouth on people. And ever, see, you open it, see, you got to close the doors. Close the doors. Stop letting people pull you into stuff. That's not your problem. Have you ever seen people with a problem? That's not my problem. I'm not letting you bring it up in here. I understand when some folk don't want to be bothered with nobody. Praise the Lord, uh, Sister Jewel. Yeah, she threw the door. I'm just teasing. <laughs> I, I came by to say hi. Hi. How you doing? I don't want nobody coming in. Because <laughs> you open the door, everything with them is coming in with them. Amen. But sometimes you got to have enough love with to overcome it. Amen. God wants you undefeatable. He wants you unmanipulatable. He wants you to stop letting people become idols in your life. He wants to hold the place. Lord, if they give me this, I want to be with this man. And you get him and you don't come to church no more. God didn't give you that man. The devil sent that one to you. God ain't going to never give you nothing that's going to take his place. Never. Never. He ain't never going to give you his replacement. Some of these young sisters or some of these sisters, as soon as they get a boyfriend, can't see them at church no more. They were serving on every auxiliary. They was doing everything. Came in with a towel around their waist. They were serving so much. We got a boyfriend. Can't call back. Can't be seen. What happened? I, I got a man now. I'm supposed to serve. I'm, I, this is my dream. They do that. That's right. God, look at somebody and say, God will never give you anything. That will take his place. Never. You talking to somebody right now trying to take God's place. You better know right now it's time. I'm, the eviction notice is coming. I can see right now. Where do you think this relationship is going? Nowhere. Because you can't even come to church and can't serve God with me. God will never put anything and give you anything that will take you away from him. The devil will, but not God. Father, the name of Jesus, we thank you. We give you praise. Lord, it was needful and necessary. You told me to tell them about love because you're tired of the biting and devouring. You're tired of the division that people have and the people are letting other things distract from what you're calling us to do. You want us to be a glorious church, a loving church, a kind church, a church that ministers to the needs of people. Lord, so that it's no longer us, but you that shine through us so that the world may know that this love is real, this power is real. Forgive us, Lord, for falling short of walking in love. Lord, we're only human. We don't understand and don't know. We're still trying to understand our own emotions. Help us today, Father. Help us to understand how to walk in love. Give us wisdom. Give us that genius from heaven to show us how to deal with difficult people and not be caught up and turned up in what they're doing. We want to stay unspotted from the world, unspotted from the accusation of the enemy. We want to walk free. We want to stop making people issues that shouldn't be. We want to bless and curse not. Love. We want to be not just in talk, not just in hugs and talks. We want to be in action. Father, in the name of Jesus, for it is this love that the power of the supernatural works and flows through. And Lord, I need your glory in my life. Lord Jesus, 
Won't you let your glory shine? How many feel goosebumps? Now? Let that glory shadow over you. Hallelujah. That glorious anointing. That's that energy of the presence of God. Lord, let that let your love light shine. Lord, shine with your love in us and we love like you. Hallelujah. We lay down offenses and lay down our hurts. We give up our right to be right. And we surrender to be the humble servants that you've called us to be. Help us not to be high-minded and think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, but to humble ourselves in your presence and be kind and affectionate one to another, preferring one another as you have commanded us. Lord, we want all that you have for us. We want all your blessings. We will not let a woman or a man or a child or any person block what you have in store. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're here today and you say, preacher, everybody's head bow, everybody's eye closed real quick. Father, in the name of Jesus, if you're here today and you're not saved, you don't know the Lord, you haven't been born again, you don't know God, you've never been born Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Streaming River Podcast with Pastor MJ Reed. You can also catch and follow Pastor Reed and the River Worship Experience every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live at 12.30 p.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're ever in the Livonia area, we'd love to have you right here at the River New Wine Glory, 17235 Middle Belt Road. And until next time, there is a power.